every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, even more important than the quantity of our giving is the quality, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you know, it's, you know, there's some people that, well, uh, it's, there's collection time. And, uh, and I think, you know, I, I really, I can't help but believe, I could be wrong, but I, I know that I'm probably preaching to the quote, the proverbial choir in here. But uh, I have sensed from, you know, visitors or from other people that, uh, may not have a close relationship with the Lord. Uh, that you know, you know, it's a collection plate where I have to give something now or just people feel obligated to give. We ought to count it a great privilege and a joy to be able to give something back Amen. to Him, to Jesus Christ, who gave us so much to us. As an individual grows in the Lord, his attitude toward giving will most closely follow the principles summarized here in 2 Corinthians 9 7. I just let her see willingly, willingly. When we pray and ask God for things, and we want Him to willingly give it to us, don't we? And um, a lot of times, the difference between God and us, obviously, is He knows what's best in relation to what we're asking. But uh, our heart should have a desire that we want to be willing to give. In letter D, individually, First uh, Corinthians 16.2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Uh, not only the head of the home, but mother and children too. Giving is not only for the rich, it is for the poor also. Everyone is to be involved in giving. And uh, I don't, I, I guess, I don't know, Karen, can remember, I, I don't know, but I ever remember having sat down and specifically taught each one of our kids the the, the need to, to tithe or to give. But for some reason, somehow, they just were doing it, uh, they're continuing to do it, Holly's just done it all along, um, that it's, just part of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ and living for God and wanting to be right with God. It's just, it's just it's a built-in part. And, uh, and it's not just, you know, the house or the dad gives every person. You know, if somebody, if your child is makes $10 going to somebody's uh, house and raking their yards, well, say, you know, son, you know, this is what, what, uh, what should be done. That is kind of instilled as they grow up um, and as they get older and they get on their own. But everyone should be involved. Next point there money and possessions. <clears throat> you do not have to be poor to please God. And there's, uh, believe it or not, there's some people that. I'm not sure what it was. It might have been back here when we had the flash snowstorm and I stayed out late. Monday, like Thursday, or Friday, and uh, talked to a shift walk of mine. He was working midnights. We were talking about things on the Bible. And 
he made the comment as far as is it possible for somebody to really have a good relationship with God who's like really rich? And uh, and it's like, of course, it's in this series that we're studying on. And you know, I just went ahead and expound him some of what I remember about the Sunday school lesson. And uh, and he was you know, slightly amazed because you know he's thinking that God uh, you can only relate to God if you're poor. But that's not true, and as we know, it's always an issue of a heart issue. That's always the fact. It's the attitude that matters, not what you have. You can be very poor and have a horrible attitude about what I own in your mind, whether no matter how small it is. And you know, a lot of times it's unfortunately rich people are a lot of times more difficult to reach with the gospel. Right, because they have the attitude, well, I've got a thing. And that's exactly what happens with the rich fool we read about. Letter A. This is this is very important to understand. Spirituality is not measured by the abundance or lack of material goods. Nowhere in the Bible does God specifically condemn anyone simply for having money. Instead, he deals with their heart. Point there. He deals with their heart, their attitude. The uh, so often we can fall into the trap, especially. When it comes to churches looking at other churches and the size of the other churches and saying, well, God must really be blessing them because look how big they are. And that's not necessarily always the case. But, um, a, a lot of times the, the key as far as the church by, you know, the Bible, the Bible can define for you what a church should be, what a local church should be, what a local church should be doing. Not their size. Uh, if they're, it's easy. There's a lot of religions that have a great. Look. I mean, oh, your best card in the camera on that as far as the segregation. But um, let it be. The Bible does not say that money, or even having a lot of money, is the root of all evil. Obviously, we know it says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. It's all dealing with the heart attitude. See, many godly Bible characters were wealthy. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph, um, he uh, obviously was extremely poor, was in prison for something he didn't do for a number of years. And it was all, as far as I'm concerned, God, am I, can you hear me okay on this microphone? Good. God if, if you study the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you come up with an a, 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 a understanding that when God really used somebody in a tremendous, mighty way, he always either was putting them through or put them through a period of time in their life that was extremely humble. Joseph is a great example. Jesus Christ is a great example. Um, 
of uh, having to be kept very humble because of what God has revealed to him and shown to him. But anybody through the Bible, King David, where he brought him to, uh, he humbled him at the beginning of his life. Look at King Solomon. Uh, he kind of proves my point. He was not humble. And look how miserably he failed by the end of his life. The, uh, but anybody that God really used, he humbled. And Joseph is a great example of, of all the difficulties, of all the problems that he faced. And God took him to become one of the wealthiest men and most powerful men in all the world. They're the, the second to Pharaoh in the uh, nation of Egypt. Solomon was the wealthiest man in history. He had observed his conclusion of this matter. Uh, oh, yeah, I love this passage. Ecclesiastes 12. He would. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. He would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Thirteen and fourteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God looks in the heart. God examines the heart. Four, Job was the wealthiest man of his day, yet when all his wealth was gone, observe his attitude. Observe his attitude, and then where did God bring him back to at the end of his life? Even the Lord Jesus Christ was accompanied by a great uh, a group of wealthy women who provided for his material uh, needs. What is the point? Or what at what point does money, money interfere with my relationship with God? When you trust in your money to sustain you rather than trusting in God. When you trust in your money to sustain you rather than trusting in God. Secondly, there be when your affections are set on earthly possessions instead of your heavenly rewards. The, uh, I'm involved with uh, um, at some point for any believer true born to Christian to become really affected in their life before God, where God is pleased. They're going to have to come to a place where they're going to have to realize this world is not their home. They're not living for this world. And it's easy to get in that trap, especially in this century. And since the 1950s, in 
fraud. It's easy to get into that trap where we just we live our whole life and all the money we're making for when we retire uh, at the end of our life and totally forsaking. I mean, I'm going to say all of us or whatever. I'm just saying many Christians a lot of times totally forsaking, well, even the world forsaking that. You know, what about the hereafter? And they're just living for the here and now. But I understand that from the world, as far as wanting to have a good life now. But uh, as a believer, we need to really get serious about setting our affections on things in heaven. The, uh, the older we get, sometimes I think it gets more serious or more. It's like, I wish I'd have done more. I know that's where I'm at in my life. It's like, what, what more could I have done? earlier when I was younger versus waiting until I'm older. And just don't don't get caught coming near the end of your life regretting, I wish I'd been more involved, more serious about my relationship with the Lord and serve the Lord and giving more of myself. When your affections are set on your earthly possessions and your earthly life instead of your heavenly rewards or your literally See, when you think your own spirituality, another man's spirituality, where God's blessings can be measured by material possessions. Material possessions. I can't help but wonder what the attitude would be towards someone that came in that most of your fundamental independent Bible believing King James only Baptist churches that are very separated, you know, got everything every perfect, perfect, you name it, the whole, whole nine, whole ten yards or whatever. And you come walking in, and, and what we would do is we were judging them and setting down. And, and this whole life is kind of like the life of the Apostle Paul. Certainly, you think they've been right with God if they didn't fall back. Persecution. I think uh, a lot of times we can judge by just because somebody's wealthy doesn't mean that oh God's blessing them. Apparently they've been blessed in some way, but it may be a curse, especially if they don't know Jesus Christ. Letter D. When your objective in life becomes to earn as much money as possible. Earn as much money as possible. Uh, right over there, over stone here, I look at I read it. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that keep them. And what good is there to the owner thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The um, being rich towards God. It's something to be said when we have peace and we're able to sleep comfortably. And people can't, they can't sleep. Something that's devalued. Letter E. When you believe that you provide for your own needs instead of God providing for them. 
instead of God providing when you believe that you provide for your own needs instead of God providing for them. What is what are the proper attitudes I should develop toward physical possessions? First and foremost, be content. Be content with what you have. Understand to be content is not to grudgingly resign yourself to accept your state in life, but to rest satisfied in God's provision. Realizing what whatever you have been given is a blessing. Um, I'll get to the point here. Number one, we are to be content with our possessions there in Hebrews 13.5. Two, we are to be content in whatever state we find ourselves in, resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> no, Paul had wrote these words while he was in jail. There in Philippians 4.11. Three, remember, it is always better than we deserve. Now, that last part right there, I put it in there. It's a great message that could be developed that I listened to recently. My son sent me a link to that. He had to listen to this uh, message by Mark, Dr. Mark Monte. He was a regular, uh, he still is a regular speaker there at Pensacola Christian College. Went to the Bible conference. But uh, he preached a message uh, better than I deserve. And ultimately, no matter what state we find ourselves in life, it is better than we deserve. It is always better than we deserve. Ephesians 2, 3. Let's go ahead and put it there. Ephesians 2, 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The uh, the point being is, if we've heard it numerous times, what we deserve ultimately is hell. No. That's what we deserve. So anything we have in life, no matter how bad it is in life, if we're still living and if we're still breathing, it's better than what we deserve. Now, by the grace and love of God, He's given us something that we've received it, as far as eternal life, that we will not be going to the lake of fire. But ultimately, when you stop and think about it, when we study and meditate on it, anything we have in life now. These words can be very, 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 like so many words we can say are easy to say versus easy to live. Uh, but uh, ultimately, it's better than we deserve. B. Realize that there are many things which are far more important than money, which money cannot buy. Number one, wisdom. 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 The uh, Proverbs 16, 16. 
How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? The, um, a lot of money can be nice, but if a person doesn't have wisdom, how many times do we hear about people that have made millions and millions of the lottery winners? They make these millions of dollars. It was such lack of wisdom. They have nothing in just a matter of a couple of years or, or you know, 10 years or they're bankrupt. Many famous athletes were making millions of dollars each boxing match. Millions of dollars in their penniless today. There's this, I just heard recently, I don't know if you all know who he is or not, I never really listened to his music, I just seen him now and then or whatever, but somebody by the name of 50 Cent, you know who we're talking about or whatever, some, some famous rapper or whatever, mega millions of dollars, now he's totally broke, living back in the hood, what I was told. Uh, but it's wisdom is better than riches. That's another one. There's, there's so many of them. Just died ten of them. There's another guy that won every year lottery twice. He's been up for years. No wisdom. These are all great examples of just not having wisdom. Number two, a righteous life. A righteous life there in verse 8 of Proverbs uh, 6. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Third, a good night's sleep. A good night's sleep is number three. See Brother Jones here doesn't have a secretary this morning. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can pick up on these things because in the passage she's sitting next to him, she's taking down the notes and he's just listening. Yeah. And she's, yeah, she's taking down the notes. But uh, number four, God's Word. God's Word, the, the written Word of God is more precious and should be more precious than great gain. Number five, good health. Good health. Number six, quietness. And peace. Those things are immeasurable, folks. To have these is far greater than him being very rich. So many rich people are, are so miserable. So miserable. If and when God blesses you, number know, see. If and when God blesses you physically. Don't forget him. Don't forget him. Letter D, realize that if God takes all your wealth away, it should not affect, not affect your relationship with him. Letter E, do not be envious 
of someone else's wealth. The, uh, I know that this is a huge problem in the world and it's disappointing when Christians get sucked into it. And uh, in a number of years ago, I, I kind of got sucked into a Ponzi scheme. Uh, nothing super major where it just, you know, really just devastated us financially, but it's still, uh, I remember another gentleman in our church at the time. The church right down there in Seattle, Alabama. He didn't want anything to do with it, and he quoted these passages of scripture here in Proverbs. But note that letter F: Stay away from get rich quick, get rich quick schemes. Like just, how many times have we gotten phone calls? <clears throat> like you know, you just go ahead and give this, and then the amount, and just. Sounds too good to be true. You're in trouble. Letter G. Finally, realize that our culture, through the media and advertising, has a tremendously negative, negative materialistic influence on you. Guard yourself. Make sure your major desires are spiritual instead of physical. That our motive, first and foremost, should be our spiritual life rather than our physical life. Yes, ma'am. God also warns us against being surety for someone else's death. Correct. The Bible, she, she made a statement that the Bible warns us against making sure that we're not being surety for someone else's debt. The, um, and I think sometimes, uh, I totally agree with you, I've had people in the past uh, turn me down, and I realize now I'm glad they did because of who they not who that individual I asked was, but other people behind them. Uh, but you're right. Now, me personally, uh, yeah, I probably helped my kids out a couple times. But uh, other people, like, here's the money. Uh, but you're, you're right as far as signing for somebody else's loan. That's a good point. You must strike a proper balance in your attitude toward money and possessions. Proverbs 11 one says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Number one, the same Bible that says not to worry about your physical provisions there in Matthew 6, also says that if a man doesn't provide for his family, he is worse than an infidel. He is worse than an infidel there in 1 Timothy 5.8. There has to be a balance to our understanding. Uh, and I think that when we're focused on our spiritual life with the Lord, and we're in tune with the Lord, it's going to be easy to understand what that balance is. Because everything, you take in the whole counsel of God, everything has to fit. You can't say, well, honey, I just don't, I just don't, 
I don't want to work anymore, I don't, whatever the case may be, you still have to provide for your family. And there are still things where the Apostle Paul said, hey, it's better to remain as I am than to get married. Right? Well, that may not be for everyone, but one of the reasons why is all you, all you need to do is focus on what you need rather than having a wife and children. That you are required by the Bible to focus on providing for them. The um, not everybody can take that admonition from the Apostle Paul, but what I, I do know, having taken a family to remain yet, would have been a lot easier going by myself. But then again, on the flip side of that, many times, with with a lot of the ministry that I was able to effectively do in Romania, it was because I had a wife and children, and they were uh, avenues that were effective in reaching uh, other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of the people that we ended up reaching and winning were through people that we met in, in the uh, Kindergarten school that we had Holly involved in, uh, and just other other activities and friends of Gabriel and, and Anne, etc. Secondly, the same Bible that says the love of money is the root of all evil, First uh, Timothy six ten, also says the laborer is worthy of his reward. I think we touched on that last week. First Timothy five eighteen. These and getting back to this um, the the, the you asked me as far as the passage of what does it mean as far as a pastor is worthy of double honor. You looked over this past week. The uh, you can look at that if, as far as I'm concerned at different angles. And I think the bottom line is that they should be given given more honor, uh, whether it's at least double as far as just anybody else if they're worthy of it, if they're laboring in it. Um, whether it be financially or whether it be respect. Um, not everything, we take everything into account. We need to keep things in balance. But we shouldn't have this, you know, uh, I only make $30,000 a year, we're going to give him $60,000. He's worthy of it, he's worthy of it. Uh, especially if you look, like I mentioned, as far as with my supervision. You know what they're doing, what eternal value has it versus the eternal value of others. I can go to extremes where you have people buying, you know, mega million dollar mansions and all that kind of stuff. That it's like, okay, come on. You know, was anybody more worth it a $30 million mansion in the Apostle Paul? I seriously doubt it. Would he have accepted it? I seriously doubt it. Just if you read the life of Paul and his whole attitude. That he was more focused on heaven than he was on earth, and to me, it's kind of it's kind of a stretch to think that if somebody's worth a thirty thousand dollar, thirty million dollar mansion, uh, you know, they may be bringing a lot of money, but what is that? You bring a lot of you bring in a lot of souls to Jesus Christ, uh, and so there's just a, a balance that taking the whole, taking all Scripture into account. Yeah, the. It's, as far as these other two, it's kind of back and forth. These are not contradictory statements, but principles of balance to show you how to handle physical possession. Let's uh, conclude, conclude here. Remember, 
We need to focus on being rich towards God. Technology speaketh. Sure, it's not the Lord. I heard a voice. What's that? No, I did. I think it just picked up on. Uh, I want to pick up on. Secondly, God examines your heart. That's the two keys. We rich towards God with our focus, and then God examines our heart. What is our heart in relation to this topic of giving? Let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time, thank you for this day. I pray that you give us uh, kind of mercy. I pray that whoever is driving. Uh, focus on your driving, be alert, Lord, uh, you uh, give us protection, give us the grace to deal with whatever tragedy it may come our way. Lord, we love you and need you. Use the next hour to be a pastor who preaches. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.